You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. A Life of Jesus, episode 46. Jesus is brought before Pilate. This is episode taken from the book by Brother Melva Perkis and is read for us by Brother Paul Creswell. Now Pilate trembled before Jesus. He saw him in a calm, almost unearthly dignity, persisting through all the excruciating suffering. He made a number of efforts to save Jesus. I find no fault in him at all. Shall I crucify your king? he said. But the unrestrained crowd could not be swayed. We have no king but Caesar. Crucify him. His blood be upon us and upon our children. What a terrible prophecy was in those words. Life of Jesus, a devotional study by Melva Perkis. Book 7, Chapter 13, Before Pilate Peter was not the only wretched man to leave the high priest's house that morning. Judas had returned from the garden with the Lord he had betrayed. While Peter had waited in the courtyard, Judas was probably lurking in the servants' quarters. It was a very different Judas, facing for the first time the enormity of his crime. The fruits of triumph had turned to ashes in his mouth. His ears rang with the words of the master he had betrayed. Again and again he met that look which had sent him reeling backwards. Never had that dark soul been nearer repentance. It may have been that he was somewhere near the place where they brought Jesus to be maltreated, that he had heard the cruel jibes, the mocking laughter, the whine of the lash, the thud of the blows. It is almost certain that a cold sweat broke out on his forehead. Remorse and despair clutched at his heart, Better indeed that he had never been born. There is nothing Judas can now do to stop the events his treachery has begun, nothing to ease the burden of his soul. How long he remained there we do not know. It was probably several hours before his tortured mind showed him something he could do. The silver coins weighing heavily in the pocket of his tunic had lost their charm. He would give them back to the priests. People made way before the wild-eyed figure rushing distractedly through the streets towards the temple. He found the priests talking excitedly of the quickly moving events. I have sinned, he cried, I have betrayed innocent blood. 
Pathetically, he offered them the silver coins. They looked at him with amused contempt. What is that to us? See thou to that. He flung the money across the marble pavement and fled, obsessed now with the thought of death. It was probably on some tree in the ground bought by his ill-gotten gains that he tied his girdle around his throat and swung out over the rocky gorge, swinging until the girdle broke under his weight and he crashed down to the boulders of Gehenna. If we are to understand the bewildering attitude of Pilate early on that Friday morning, it is important that we give careful thought to the probable events which went on behind the scenes. We're only given an occasional clue to them in the Gospels, but each of the clues is most significant. Several hours had elapsed between the departure of Judas from the upper room and the arrest in the garden. These hours had been busy ones for Caiaphas. It would have been easy for him to have sent Judas back to the house in Jerusalem immediately and arrested Jesus there. But it was by no means as simple as it seemed. If the high priest was to take advantage of the information that Christ was in their midst and was speaking openly of his death, he must have everything carefully arranged before he could arrest him, so that by the time the multitudes were astir it would be too late for them to intervene. If he was unable to make those arrangements, he must leave Jesus alone until after the feast, for it would be impossible to hold him prisoner in Jerusalem for seven days without inciting rebellion. Everything hinged upon the attitude of the Roman procurator. Caiaphas had no doubt that the majority of the Sanhedrists would play their part. But that would be useless if Pilate refused to ratify the death sentence. It is almost certain, therefore, that after carefully considering the information Judas had given him, the high priest paid a surprise visit to Pilate. He made the request that he was most anxious to get the Romans' confirmation of the death sentence in a case of great importance. It is not difficult to see the arguments he would use. This man was a political prisoner and a menace to peace. He had information of his present whereabouts and could arrest him immediately. But to imprison him would cause the gravest risk of rebellion at such a time. The only hope was to try him, confirm the sentence, and crucify him before the people could intervene. Pilate would probably feel that this was a straightforward case and would be willing to cooperate. He might have felt, too, that the situation gave him a good opportunity of easing the tension that existed between the Roman citadel and the temple. For Pilate's stubborn nature and lack of diplomacy had caused unpleasant incidents in the past, which had not improved his standing in Rome. Caiaphas probably returned through the dark streets of Jerusalem very well satisfied, and ready to send the company of temple guards with Judas to the garden. 
but both Carfus and Pilate had reckoned without two important factors. The one was the bearing of the prisoner. The other was Claudia Procula, Pilate's wife. So it was that early on the Passover morning the company moved away from the house of Carfus, with Jesus in the midst, bound with chains. The praetorium, situated in the magnificent palace of Herod, was only a quarter of a mile away, and in a short time they were passing through the spacious gardens and standing outside the portals of the building. The leaders of the Jews were bringing their Messiah to a Gentile for permission to put him to death. They were drinking to the full the cup of wickedness. Little did they realize that they were leading their nation to its own crucifixion. History has never produced a more terrible hour. They committed Jesus to the Roman guards and waited outside for him to be returned with a necessary authority for his crucifixion. To have gone themselves into the judgment hall would have meant defilement. Meanwhile, Pilate had been early astir and was ready. Although he was willing to accede to the wishes of Caiaphas, he dare not lay himself open to the charge that he had not even interviewed the prisoner. He sat down in the judgment seat. The man who stood before him was lacerated and bruised and covered with blood. His clothes were filthy and torn. Yet, looking at him, Pilate knew he could not keep his midnight promise. He would have to examine the case. There is no record of any interchange of words at this first meeting, but it is most likely that one took place, and what Pilate heard would confirm his decision. John, who gives us by far the most detailed description of the Roman trial, tells us that, leaving Jesus in the judgment hall, Pilate went out to the Jewish leaders at the gate of the Praetorium. By now a multitude had assembled, but most would be from the residence of the high priests and from the courts of the temple, men who knew what was afoot and waited eagerly for developments. There were probably some worshippers, too, on the outskirts of the crowd, drawn from their beds by the commotion which was developing around Herod's palace. Pilate's first question brought consternation to the Jews. There is nothing in the narrative to indicate the presence of Annas or Carthus, so apparently confident were they of the arrangement they had made. The governor's question showed in a moment that he was not prepared to implement his promise. Roman trial took the prescribed form of an accusation, a cross-examination, and a defence. Pilate now demanded the formal accusation. What accusation bring ye against this man? At first sight it would appear that the answer of the Sanhedrist was simply insolent. But in the light of what had probably happened, it seems rather the result of their dismay and bewilderness. If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have brought him unto thee. 
There was an insinuation in Pilate's reply which could not be missed by those who had attended the shameful proceedings in the high priest's house. For Pilate could see that for envy they had delivered him up. Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. But after the first shock, the keener minds were facing the new situation. It is not lawful, they said, for us to put any man to death. Then they quickly formulated the charge. We found this man perverting our nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, the king. This was a charge which Pilate had to investigate. He left them, returned to his judgment seat, and called Jesus to him. It may have been at this point that the messenger came from his wife, Claudia Procula. It is probable that Pilate had discussed with her the strange visit of the high priest. He had retired to rest thinking about Jesus, and had had a vivid dream concerning him, which filled her with foreboding. Rising, she would go to her husband's apartments, only to find that he had already gone to the judgment hall. Immediately she sent an urgent message to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. These words would stiffen Pilate's determination that justice should be done. John records the interrogation. Art thou the king of the Jews? Sayest thou this thing of thyself? Or did others tell it thee of me? Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Art thou a king then? Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. What is truth? It was a solemn moment, but Pilate could not know that he was standing his own trial before the king of all the earth. His mind was made up. The Roman trial was over. He went to the Jews with the verdict. I find in him no fault at all. The verdict was greeted with a howl of rage. Hostile cries rose from all quarters. The people incited by the priests joined in the commotion. Pilate wavered and was lost. He called to the word Galilee. Was the prisoner a Galilean? When he found that he was, he took the opportunity to temporize. He would send him to the adjacent building to be tried by Herod. He perceived that it would also have the advantage of improving his somewhat unhappy relations with Herod. It was a fatal mistake. From that moment Pilate had become a tool of the priests. 
and no struggling would save him now. Under their pressure he had reopened a trial that was judicially over. Pleasure-seeking and irresponsible, sceptical yet superstitious, Herod Antipas, that fox as Jesus had described him, was devoid of all finer qualities. He had become debauched, surrounded by flatterers who shared his vices. Reports had reached him about Jesus for a long time, and he was delighted at last to see him, but only because he was anxious to witness his miraculous power. Now he leaned back in his throne and plied him with questions. But there was no reply from the figure standing before him. The silence became painful. Some Jews who had followed began to accuse him, but Herod had lost interest in his legal obligations. He was piqued by the situation. A king! <laughs> then he would make him a king. They put on him a resplendent robe. They mocked him and disported themselves until they tired of their jest. Then they sent him back to Pilate. Wearily Jesus retraced his steps to the Praetorium. It was many hours since he had slept. Pilate must have watched his return with a sinking heart, but his duty was clear. Herod's attitude, base as it was, confirmed Pilate's verdict. Once more he faced the Jews, their numbers swelling with the passing hours. I have examined him before you, he declared and have found no fault in this man touching those things whereof ye accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done to him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. But it was too late now. Pilate had shown his weakness. They refused to accept his verdict. The clamour grew more insistent. Other elements had arrived to demand that a prisoner be released to them. It was a Passover concession, reluctantly yielded by the Romans, riotously acclaimed by the Jews. This time Pilate welcomed it. How little he knew the people! How pitiable his resolution looked as he retreated step by step before their wrath. Ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Not this man, they cried, but Barabbas. Barabbas was a notorious rebel and murderer. Pilate gave way before them once more. He gave Jesus up to the soldiers to be scourged. Again the suffering saviour of men was subjected to the unrestrained brutality of men. When it was over they fetched a thorn-bush, plaited it roughly into a crown, and crushed it on his head. They draped a purple robe over his bleeding form, and hailed him as their king. They brought him back to Pilate, and Pilate, looking at him, felt a surge of pity in his hardened soul. 
he let him out for the people to see. Behold the man! And men have beheld and wept. And from him they have slowly turned their gaze upon those who judged him. Those who clamoured for his affliction and death, those who smote him with the palms of their hands. There was no pity in the Jews. Crucify him! Crucify him! they cried. Pilate was almost beaten. Take ye him, he shouted, and crucify him. I find no fault in him. The words of a man distraught. They could not crucify him. We have a law, persisted the Jews, and by our law he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Pilate trembled. There had been something about this man which had strangely affected him from the first. The calm, almost unearthly dignity had persisted through all these terrible punishments. He brought him back from the raging crowds to the silence of the judgment hall. Whence art thou? he asked. But Jesus remained silent. Speakest thou not unto me? Pilate demanded. Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and power to release thee? He had already demonstrated his power. Thou couldest have no power at all against me, Jesus replied, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Shaken. Pilate went out to make a last great effort to save him. He was met by a storm of menacing shouts. Then he heard something which changed the whole outlook. Perhaps Caiaphas, hearing of the difficulties that had developed, had inspired it. If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. Pilate realised now that he was personally involved. He was no longer a judge but a fellow prisoner, and he could only save himself by sacrificing Christ. The alternative did not come into his mind. Shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar. In a pathetic attempt to absolve himself from the crime his weakness had sanctioned, he called for water, and washed his hands in the presence of the multitude, crying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. But the stain of sin cannot be so easily removed. His blood be upon us and upon our children, cried the triumphant Jews. It was a terrible prophecy. They led Jesus away to his death.
Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.